1: No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is that time of year again. I'm looking at my window right now. And watching some boats race each other, and I love explaining this to people <laughs> from, out, from outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Right? They're like, "Oh, so there's like a whole festival around this horse race?" And I'm like, "Yeah, dude." They're like, "Oh, what do they have?" And I'm like, "All right, so there's thing this thing called the Chow wagon. and they're like, "Oh, what is that? What's that all about?" Uh, "Horrible Bosses," like the fake Chow, and I'm like, "No, no Chow, like food, like you know, you're you're." They're like, "Oh, what kind of food? Like, oh, like the you know the best culinary experience you can find," and I'm like, "Exactly the opposite." Like, uh, you know, like think about like fair food, but just like a step below that kind of like that. Like, oh, like like food trucks. Not really like like think much trashier, much trashier. Like, oh, is it free to go to? You have to have a pin like a pin that you write with. No, no, like a pin that you put on your shirt. Some of them are gold, but most of them aren't. But if you go, get a gold one, it's a big deal. Like uh, uh, all, all, all right. What else is there? Oh, on Wednesday, there's a boat race like oh, like speed boats. That's pretty cool. No, the exact opposite. The slowest fucking boat <laughs> you can find. They race each other and it's staged. Like what? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, those steamboats. Like steamboats. Yeah, that's right. Uh apparently, you know, they get, get together on some steamboats and a bunch of drunk people race by and we all just stand by the river and watch it. Like, th- that's what they do. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like the, you know, we have the fastest two minutes in sports and the slowest two hours. Like, you know, we, we get all the get all the good stuff in. But but regardless, it's that time of year. Derby Festival, and with the with the advent of the, the you know transfer portal and the one or four time transfer rules or whatever it is, and and NIL and everything else, uh, this this is still absolutely basketball season. Uh, in, in years past, we kind of shelved the basketball talk a little bit and and get into horse racing or get into baseball or whatever people are into, but it's basketball season, man, and that's why we have once again Alan Thomas here to join us. Uh, do do a little bit of basketball discussion. Alan, how are you, man? And, and, and what are you doing to celebrate Derby this week?
0: What's up, Presley? Thanks for having me on again. And uh, yeah, it, th- this is always, this week is always a rude interruption, in, in my opinion, because you're we're hot and heavy in, in college basketball recruiting uh, season. And uh, I know I live in Louisville. I know I live in Kentucky. And, you know, it's not that I don't appreciate, you know, the the festivities and the history behind everything my take on horse racing as a uh, fair way to treat animals is totally uh, beside the point from what I'm about to say, but I I think it's just that it's an interruption to college basketball recruiting season. You know, for me, I think, you know, this weekend, we might gamble a little bit, but that's just to, to get the kids. They make, it makes them feel like they're at a casino or something like that. And, you know, we'll, we'll roll papers up and slap our, our palms, you know, as they come down the stretch or whatever, but it's all in good fun. I'm down to party about it. I'd much rather talk about, you know, basketball for an extra week of the year. That's just me though.
1: Very quickly. then we'll, we'll never talk about horses again on this podcast. Yeah. Pick, <laughs> any pick for the Derby? I don't even know who, what horse is
0: what, I think I've heard Forte or something like that tossed around a little bit. I, and When I was a kid, I used to look at the newspaper and I just pick out who looked the coolest and what sounded the coolest and so i'll probably do that this saturday too
1: since silver charm there hasn't been a horse that everybody's universally beloved right like it was yeah. it's always been this like just competition about what what know-it-all thinks that he knows the most and it's got to be like a a 14 to 1 horse that everybody's sleeping on and then it comes in like you know 13th place or something like that that's that's what we get in this time of year exactly people from outside people from outside of louisville oh did you uh did you make any money a derby no i'm absolutely not i'm bankrupt like this is a terrible time
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i'm definitely losing a hundred dollars every every derby saturday now actually last year we won a thousand but that is a that is was a total freak thing and that's never happened to me i'm gambling on anything ever and uh, i don't actually gamble anymore at all because i've lost so much in the past year
1: last year i basically there were like three horses that were 50 to one or or higher and i just threw like five bucks on them and ended up winning, you know, the, the longest shot horse uh, ended up winning. So, yeah. I don't it again, probably be a favorite this year. Whatever. But really what we want to talk about is the front runners for Louisville basketball. We'll play on words there, Alan. But before we get into that, I want to get into Louisville's most recent commit that we haven't mm-hmm. talked about yet. Uh, completely out of left field. Like, like completely out of the infield, if you will. Danilo Javanovich. I, I just, initial reactions to Danilo Javanovich for people who, uh, have kind of, you know, maybe been on a rock or, or not paying attention to Louisville recruiting, depend on us to talk about Louisville recruiting. Danilo Jovanovic is a former three-star recruit, uh, transferred from Miami, who had just entered the transfer portal, and almost immediately committed to Louisville, not much fodder back and forth, anything like that, very quietly visited, and then committed to the Cards, and that was it. Uh, Jovanovich is a six-foot-eight, 220-pound forward uh if you've you know if you feel like you're uh, high or something and that that you feel like Louisville has too many forwards I think that everybody is uh, kind of in, in the same boat as you uh, Alan what, what was your take on Javanovich and positives negatives I get a lot of
0: flack on Twitter for being a sunshine pumper I get people call me that all the time or a homer that's that's a good one you know like probably definitely a homer I don't know sunshine pumper so much but here's something well, I'm not going to pump a whole lot of sun, sunshine into Donilo Jovanovic. I'm not going to pump a whole lot of sunshine into that because I don't know anything about him other than what his offer list was initially. That that one video that I that I pulled up from the the guy that the Miami Miami Insider that was at all the practices. Now Miami went to you know they went really far in, in the NCAA tournament, so. Apparently, you know, Donalo had pretty good showing throughout the season in practices that he was part of the scout team for Miami. I like that. that, that that's good to hear. But I think the other side of it is, I don't know if you were really going to get another forward that's going to share a lot of minutes because you know, we're pretty deep at forward, like you just mentioned, and we might get even deeper, probably going to get even deeper, you know, here in the next week or two. We have a, a pretty um, high star forward visiting that can play the three and the four. Donalo coming in, he's not, you know, you don't really expect this kid to play very much anyway. So it, it's a good way for him to grow. Who's to say Donalo in a couple of years can't have really learned uh, the game from Kenny Payne and staff and developed a lot or, you know, who's to say that maybe he knows that down the road, he needs to transfer somewhere else. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to put any stock into it one way or the other, it, essentially on paper at the end of the season, he may end up just being another body out there. So, you know, he may surprise some people. I really don't know. I, I, have, I have nothing outside of uh, you know, high wishes for the kid uh, and I hope he contributes like we need him to.
1: My initial reaction. And, and as you know, Alan, I'm, I'm one of the more optimistic uh, little fans that, that you'll find, uh, it doesn't always come across as that because I try to have a little bit of an integrity and try to bring both sides of the equation to the table. And it's been very difficult to to find the positives in a 4-28 season, right? So uh, it, it often doesn't feel like that. But, but I, I've kind of documented my experience, my journey as, as a fan. You know, I, I was always a diehard, like you said, kind of a sunshine pumper for the longest time. Uh, and then as I got into writing and, and content, you know, experiencing games as, as more of a journalist, you know, a media member and, and trying to cover from, from that aspect, I kind of lost my love and passion for, for basketball and for football and, and Louisville sports in general. And so over the last year and a half, two years, there's been kind of a concerted effort for me to kind of experience things as a fan, provide content, podcasts written forms, social media, all of that kind of from more from a fan perspective and and less from the perspective of, of somebody who's more of a quote unquote professional, because that's not really why Jacob and I got into this. And, and ultimately we want to get back to those roots. Uh, So, so when when I say this, you can know that I'm kind of serious about it. When I first found out about this, I was pretty pissed off because I mean, the reality is that Louisville is bringing in a number of guys who play a similar position to Danilo and additionally, they're also recruiting another guy, in Mackenzie Mbaco, who, like you already kind of implied, Alan, you know, he plays the three, the four. Uh, he's kind of a multifaceted wing. And, and so it's just odd to me that you use a scholarship spot for a guy like that. Now, as a fan, if you've been tuned into social media, message boards, columns, blogs, podcasts, any of that, uh, you've heard all of the negatives that, that come along with this. Louisville only has two scholarships remaining. Some positives that I will bring up about Danilo. Number one, this man is hes probably going to come in with a little bit of experience, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And and he has experience against practicing against a Final Four team, you know, traveling to a Final Four, going through the the ins and outs of, of going deep in the ACC tournament and then going deep in the NCAA tournament. Now, he didn't experience that on the floor, but he was around that team. And he practiced against those players every single day. He played under those coaches every single day. So with that in mind, he has that experience from that aspect. You know, fans talk about, well, we want to bring an experienced veteran guy who can kind of bring veteran leadership or or bring a a specific skill set to the table. Well, Danilo also has that kind of skill set. In high school, he became known as as a mid-range shooter, as a guy who can be kind of a slasher or rebounder, and a guy who has a really solid jumper from the outside. That's a skill set that that didn't really have yet. If they land McKenzie and Baco, they will have a guy who's kind of a mid range guy and kind of kind of an outside guy. If the staff has a plan that they're going to land at least one more transfer guard and that they still have a really good shot at landing McKenzie and Baco, Ultimately, this could be a guy that they see as as a developmental piece. And they feel like they already have the rest of those, those pieces on, on the roster. That's something that I'd like to hear the staff answer for at some point. And I'm sure they'll, they'll be asked about Danilo at some point. You know, why do you take a player like this when it, it appears that the, the very apparent needs are, are at the guard position? And maybe we find out more information in the future as well. That's the other thing I'll say. You know, maybe the roster isn't fully settled. Maybe one guy is going to take, you know, he's going to give up his scholarship for a year, a lot like a Kyle Keurig or a David Levidge or something like that. Like where, you know, a, a guy that was a scholarship player and now is is going away from that. You know, th- there there are a number of things that could be going on behind the scenes we don't know about. There could be a guy that's transferring. So again, there are a lot of moving parts and maybe Danilo is a guy who's a diamond in the rough. That's not what fans want to hear, but ultimately we, we we don't know. And to say that you do know would be, honestly, it would, it would be kind of foolish to say that you're super pumped or super bummed either way. But the one thing that I think all fans can agree upon is it's definitely an odd move given where we stand from a roster perspective. But th- that kind of leads to to my next point and piece that I want to get into, and that that's roster management from, from the staff. I think a lot of fans are, are looking at This roster, as we've looked at as Louisville fans for the last two decades, right? Really, you had two two coaches over the course of, what, four decades, four-plus decades, and Denny Crum and then Rick Pitino, right? So you get very stuck in your ways. You get very used to what 70s, 80s, and early 90s basketball was under Denny Crum. And then you get very used to what to expect under Rick Pitino for almost two decades, right? So that's the way that we are are used to fanning. That's the way that we're used to a roster being constructed under Rick Pitino. Very specific type of guard that he wanted. He wanted a guy who was a heavy ball handler, who was a penetrator, who was a creator, recruited guys who were athletic on the wings. And oftentimes, you know, an Earl Clark, a a uh, T-Will, those are the type of guard or type of guys who are the, the leading scorers and the leaders on the team. Whereas, you know, a Quentin Snyder, Chris Jones, Peyton Siva, Russ Smith type of player was the main on ball guy. And that's what we became used to over and over and over again. And that was a successful way of doing things under Rick Bettino. That's what fans have become accustomed to. You know, we have Rick Bettino. Chris Mack was, was very similar in that way, very heavy, heavily guard oriented, especially in his most successful season in 2019, 2020 with the COVID shortened season where Louisville got to number one in the country. With all of that in mind, we have this very specific set-in-our-ways mindset for the way that a roster is constructed. With that being said, Wolval brings in a group of guys who have been with completely different programs, who have constructed rosters in completely different ways. Kenny Payne was was an assistant coach of John Calipari's right-hand man for a decade at Kentucky, right? He was used to constructing a roster in a very specific way. They went after young, very talented players who are very hungry and looking to get to the next level, uh, so much so that they were pushed on to the to the NBA or where, wherever the next place was that, that it was do or die. Essentially, you know, you come in to be a one and done, maybe it's two and done and then you're gone. Right. Like that's that's what Kenny Payne was used to. Then he goes to the NBA for two years and then he sees the way that, that NBA rosters are constructed and he coaches NBA players and is around NBA talent, developing NBA talent. So that's Kenny Payne's experience, right? And then you have Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith played at Duke, uh, had a little bit of pro experience, and then comes back to Duke as an assistant coach under Coach K. Again, Coach K has a very specific way that he constructed rosters. Uh, you you talk about Danny Manning. Danny Manning was a head coach at Wake Forest. Danny Manning has a, had a very specific way that he constructed his rosters. When, when you get into the dynamics of the way that this coaching staff assembles their rosters, the way that they play, it's completely different than what we became accustomed to uh, under Rick Bettino under Chris Mack. like they, they, It's just a, a completely different mindset, and it's going to take a success from from Kenny Payne and his staff uh, for fans to buy in, right? Last year, we didn't really know what we were seeing very often. We didn't know what the goal was. We didn't know what the point of the roster contract was. We didn't know what what the goal on defense or on offense was. We didn't know what kind of plays, what kind of sets they were trying to run, what kind of rotation they were trying to incorporate. We didn't get any of that. Last year felt like a kind of a, a wasted year in that aspect, and so fans are kind of left. They're very much in the mindset of do what has worked in the past, and not what the the coaching staff thinks might work in the future. So, Alan, this is kind of a, a long form way of going about saying, you know what what exactly is, is the way that that these coaches are used to constructing a roster, and do you feel that that Louisville's doing a good job of doing that right now, and, and what kind of pieces do, do they need to to kind of round out the roster for it to be constructed in a Kenny Payne, Nolan Smith, Danny Manning sort of way. Well, I
0: think, you know, the stats objective with each of these guys and part of the pitch for every single one, given Kenny Payne's history and Nolan Smith's history of recruiting and developing players. I know Nolan's always been in an assistant position, uh, but Kenny has up until before last year and, and but they've always been able to develop guys and have a good reputation of building good relationships showing these guys good pro habits so I think we'll have to see like what, how they fill out the final couple spots but I think the big gripe with fans is that maybe the guard position is lacking saw somebody tweet that they think Curtis Williams is going to play shooting guard I've seen people say that you know Trenton Flowers is not a guard even though he says he is is definitely a guard we we've heard JJ Trainer could possibly move to the 3 just full time and not play the 4 at all so like i think what they're trying to do is find how these players can fit like hey oh you've been playing you know the 3 for 10 years or whatever even through AAU and everything else but for this team and for your future would it be best for you to play the 2 or would it be best for you to play the 4 or vice versa you know a prime example is is JJ Trainer this is a kid that you know, it was a is basically a stretch for. He can shoot it, can shoot the three. He can't really, you know, he's not a great ball handler, so he's not a great. You know, you don't want him slashing just just from the key or, or from the the corner or anything like that. But is is he a player that can take a handoff and take a dribble and pull up? I think he absolutely could, and that's something that a three would do, you know, given the situation. But rounding out the roster, you're looking at guys that. You have to be able to, you know, handle the ball. I think that's one thing. You know, and, and this is no shade on the kid, but Jalen Withers, I think, was placed in a position to kind of blend in between a a two and a three at times when you had when you didn't have an L Ellis on the floor, And maybe uh, Mike James and Hersey Miller were out there. They can both handle just fine. You don't want them to be the general out there, and and so it's just a matter of finding a good fit. Who off? How do the fit? How do the pieces fit on the floor together? And uh, I think the staff's doing a pretty good job of um, like who they have is is uh, on, on the horizon as far as who they're looking at. You know, being that it's R.J. Luis, a tall guard and Trey White, who, you know, a two or a three. They're both capable ball handlers. And I think the staff just wants to get long guys that can help back up in the two or you know if they are at the three what we saw last year was guys try to take it the angle that a three would and get to the rack and uh, again not to say that they aren't capable ball handlers and I'm not going to really name everyone that falls in, under that umbrella but just trying to find players that can attack from anywhere if, if they are uh, anywhere from a one to a three and that's not to say that somebody that is the three is going to play a one but maybe the two and the three just kind of blends together on a Kenny Payne roster and uh, maybe that's what he's looking for is guys that just can get to the rack no matter what.
1: With Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry sorry,
1: we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time
0: No, Lucky Land Casino
1: with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry
0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms
0: and conditions 18 plus. Because that's kind of the pro style that I think he's trying to teach and pass along. And who knows, we may look up in three or four years and and see a handful of guys in the pros that, that
1: did it that way from the staff, you know, fingers crossed. When you talk about this, it's very natural for us to try to look at a roster and try to formulate a depth chart or formulate a five-man, six-man, eight-man rotation, right? It's very natural for us to look at, at a roster and think starting lineup, who's the sixth man? Uh, who's going to come in and replace this guy? Like, that's just the way that we think. I, I think that the reality of the situation, though, you know, our, in our conversations, will continue to surround this too. It's just an easy way for us to compartmentalize things, right? Uh, but it's very easy for us to say, okay, Trenton Flowers is going to, and this is just as an example, this is not a statement of fact. We're going to say something like, Trenton Flowers is going to be the starting two guard. Uh, and then Karan Davis is going to come in and, and relieve him as at the two. And it, it's, it's very easy for us to say that because that's what we're used to. As a youth basketball player all the way up through every level of basketball that we played, Alan, we think of things in, in terms of you have a position and you have an objective and, and, and a role on your roster, right? Like that's just the way that we think about roster contracts. But to me, when I look at the way that this staff assembled last year's roster uh, with the limited resources and time and, and everything that was going on last season, when I look at the way that they are assembling this year's roster, it's very much not position oriented. Uh, yes, it's very easy to look at a Dennis Evan, Evans and say, OK, that is a center. I totally get that. But the pieces that are around that, right? I think that the staff wants this to be very loose and free-flowing. We don't want a lot of, you know, Virginia-style basketball where you get into a set and run, run an offense like a Bellarmine or something like that for 25 seconds until you find it, an open shot. That's not really what Louisville's going after. And if you look at the direction that basketball's going, the highest-level teams, the teams with the most talent, like a Duke, like a North Carolina, like a Kansas, like a Kentucky, uh, like an Arizona – those types of teams, they're not running that type of system. And when you look at the NBA, if you're looking at the NBA playoffs right now, that, that's not what's happening at all, right? It's very quick, very back and forth. The same guy is not running the ball up the floor every, every single time, uh, looking to the sidelines and then holding up a number, right? Like That's not the way that modern basketball is run. And the reason that the staff is bringing in the players that they're bringing in is because these are guys that can run that type of system. So when you have a Trenton Flowers, right? He says that, you know, we say that he's a guard. I believe that he's a guard, right? When I look at Curtis Williams, people aren't going to agree with this necessarily. But When I look at Curtis Williams, I see a guard. You know, and you might traditionally look at those two players as a quote-unquote wing. Like, you might look at McKenzie and Baco as a three or a four traditionally, right? But that's not the way that the staff is looking at it, in my opinion. I think the staff is looking at this as, okay, and, and McKenzie and Baco or Trenton Flowers gets a rebound, they're going to bring the ball up the floor and then get into the to an offense or get, get the ball to into a, the position that they want to get it into. Does that make sense? So just because you were six, eight does not limit you to, you know, only playing out on, on the wing or only posting up in the post. That's not what a, what basketball looks like anymore. When you watch the Lakers, when you watch the, the Suns, When you watch the Celtics, the Celtics is a perfect example. I sent this in our group chat the other night, Alan, you know, when when I look at the Celtics, I see three or four wings. I don't see a lot of, you know, Marcus Smart is is listed as a point guard, but Marcus Smart isn't the guy bringing the ball up the floor, right? It's Jason Tatum. It's Malcolm Brogdon. Like it's it's a bunch of different guys that are bringing the ball up the floor. It's a bunch of different guys that, that are quote unquote, initiating the offense. And when I say initiating the offense, it's just getting the ball into the position where, where it needs to be. It's not necessarily uh, you, you know, smacking the ball or clapping your hands or something like that. And everybody starts moving in a certain direction at once, right? Like that's, that's not that form of basketball is not what, what's going to be played this year. And that's what I can appreciate about this roster, right? When you look at a, uh, when you look at a uh, Mike James, for instance, you know He's a little bit smaller than a, than a Trenton Flowers or, say, R.J. Luis or Trey White or somebody like that comes in. Uh, he's smaller than those guys, but he's going to play a position where he's a little bit more of an aggressor. Uh, he's a little bit more back to the basket. He's a guy who's kind of going to be a tenacious on the ball, on ball defender, dependent on who they're, they're playing. So his role, even though he's a quote unquote two or three, isn't necessarily going to be that of a two or three. It's going to be the role that Mike James is meant to play. And I, I think that that's something that, that fans need to start to grasp and understand. You're playing based on your role on a specific team or the specific other four guys that are on the floor with you. Your role is not dependent on, I'm a four, so I run the play dependent on what the four is supposed to run every single time. It's more, I am on the floor. My, I'm Sky Clark, and I'm the, on the floor with Mike James, Trenton Flowers, J.J. Trainer, and Brandon Huntley Hatfield. And so when I'm on the floor with those other four guys, this is my role on this team. And I think that there's that's a very important distinction to make when when you're a fan looking at this roster. Alan, you're a guy who has a lot more basketball acumen. You're a guy who has a little bit of experience with AAU, has a son that's going to be playing a little bit more high-level basketball as we go forward. Uh, What do you think about a roster being constructed in that manner?
0: No, I 100% agree with you. I mean, with a Kenny Payne with the style and people are going to hear that and roll their eyes and they'll say well he was 4 and 28 I know I get it I'm as frustrated as you are and I'm ready to turn the page on that what he wants to do the objective as you were saying is to be able to attack you know from all angles and do you want Dennis Evans you know like you're saying do you want him at the top of the key ready to attack the basket probably not unless he's got a complete mismatch which is going to be hard to find where he can take somebody off the dribble from the top of the key but that's not that's not going to be the, the roster across the board. That, that guy's a you know a specialist as far as constructing the roster. That that's why you're looking at guys like I mean, look, you got two tall guards you're looking at. Uh, you know, here down the stretch, you have two spots to fill. You got two guards that you're really looking at, and it's a six foot seven Trey White. You know, um, like I said, he he could play two or three, capable ball handler, and a six foot six RJ Luis out of UMass, a shooting guard. Uh, he could he could very well bring the ball up. You know, like you were saying, uh, McKenzie and Baco who 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 plays the 4 could very well play the 3. Um capable, not a capable ball handler in the sense that we know what ball handler means, but a capable capable of attacking the basket from anywhere. And he's just that, that that's an all-around, you know, another athletic freak, just an absolute freak of nature. So I mean, I, I think what the staff's doing as far as who who the two out of the three spots are going to go to, I think it's going to be two out of those three guys. And if you look at who else they they you know went and got, I mean, Sky Clark would be the outlier as far as, far as height goes, but Again, you know, very shifty and, and crafty, and a great floor general um, in his own respect. And a great shooter. And um, we saw last night on Twitter, his kids got some balance too. So I think we're just um, we're going to be very athletic. And, and I'm really excited to see you know what next year
1: is. What is in store? He talked about this a little bit on Twitter today. Really, what it what it looks like from the outside. And again, who knows? Louisville might not end up with any of these three, three players. But from what we know right now, there are three players that the staff is very, very heavily in on, and that would be Mackenzie Bacco, a guy who, if you're not aware, Mackenzie Bacco officially taking four visits. He has already visited Kansas this weekend. He's visiting Indiana. He's already visited St. John's this weekend, the weekend of May sixth and seventh, so Derby weekend. Mackenzie Bacco will be visiting Indiana. And then it's presumed that directly after that, he's going to make his way down the short trip to Louisville. And Louisville will be his last visit. Uh, Louisville was the leader in the clubhouse as soon as he came out of Duke because of his connections with Nolan Smith and people who are, are close to the situation have said from the very start that Louisville was the leader and that would be very hard to, to get him away from Louisville. Uh, as I insinuated on our last podcast, Alan, I, I've always been pretty confident if it's Kenny Payne versus Rick Pitino. I, I don't really see him being a good fit at, at Kansas. I mean, if maybe if somebody drops a bag, I don't see him being a good fit at Indiana. Uh, so to me, I mean, it really comes down to St. John's and Louisville. Uh, and I think Louisville is going to have a, a major, a, a distinct advantage uh, in, in that, in that aspect. I, I think unless it comes down to NIL and, you know, this dude's wanting a million, $2 million or something like that. And and will we'll just can't bring that to the table. I think that's the only way that you really lose him. Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office.
1: uh, one of the three best players to to ever commit to Louisville, according to the all all the rankings and algorithms and and, and what have you, Alan. And, and then you have two transfer guys and RJ Luis and Trey White. Uh, and so let's play just a little game because it's Derby Week of Win, Place, Show, right? Uh, and so, Alan, I think your idea here is, you know, if, if you're placing a bet on on win, that means that you're the most confident that they, they'd be coming to Louisville. Is that correct? If we did a Win, Place, or
0: Show win uh, when would be you know obviously the most confident for Louisville place would be school b over us and i guess show which is still in the money so it really doesn't make sense here but it makes sense as far as derby goes uh, that show would be uh, just like you know you know kid kid didn't come here i guess like yeah. show could be like kid thought about it or whatever but to me that's an easy way for anyone that's going to listen to this podcast or most people anyway to kind of understand the formula of you know likelihood
1: well, so, so go ahead and, and do this for me then. Rank them, if you will, uh, starting with show, who is the guy that, that you would at least want to, to most want? Now, I know it's hard to say least because I, I think that each of these guys bring, bring their own, uh, you know, it, their own flavor uh, to the table, if you will. Who, who's the guy that, that you would kind of just have right on the outside looking in?
0: Uh, right on the outside looking in, and, and I would probably get torn apart for this on social media. But for me, it's Trey White and it's it's no it's really no shade on his game it's more about what rj luis brings to the table being that we have two spots instead of three rj is is a lot more crafty through the lane and he's he's a lot tougher with the ball through the lane i think he he does a good job of protecting i mean he's one of those guys that he can put his head down through the lane and i think most people when they put their head down they're going straight to the rack and they either fade away um and and try to get a you know an and one or something like that this kid is one that when he puts his head down, you really don't know what he's going to do. And I think that's kind of interesting on this roster being that not that we didn't have some tough guys, but we still do have some tough guys left over from last year. But I think he is the guy in practice that can kind of show not just the bigger guards, but all of the guards like, Hey, here's my technique. Here's how I lower my head into their body without lowering my shoulder, which he's very good at and uh, being able to get to the rack. So, for me, uh, and again, there's no shade on, on Trey Trey White. And If we get him, hey, man, I'll, I'll do a backflip because I think he's a very good player. I mean, there's a lot of things I like about Trey White, but Trey White would be my show. And um, I guess for the two, in, in, in my opinion, it would be R.J. Lewis. And I think those two are kind of, I think, you know, I heard somebody on the radio touched on it today that they may be waiting for each other. They may be consulting with their own camps to see what's going on. I'm sure... That Kenny Payne and staff are communicating with both of these kids hardcore right now. Much as they are, McKinsey and Baco. Obviously, McKenzie and Baco is my win. Uh, I think you get that kid. I mean, obviously, he's the, he would be the second highest, you know, recre- uh, rated recruit in in Louisville men's basketball history. And here's the but here's the interesting thing. As a side note about McKenzie that I think would be even more of a win for me, and and just more of a moral victory for Louisville fans, is that this is not. I can say with certainty that. And this is nothing that this is, I, I, I keep saying throughout this podcast, I'm having to keep clean up, cleaning up what I'm saying. But again, I'll, I'll keep saying like, this is no shade on this person, A, B, or C. This is no shade on Kenny Payne at all, but this is a 100% a direct companionship relationship with Nolan Smith from Duke. And this is since the Duke days, you know, because he went to Duke. So if if you're, you know, Louisville fan. And a lot of people are going to say, well, we needed a guard. You went out for a power forward. I've I've seen that on on Twitter and things like that, which is why Twitter is a silly place to begin with. But this would be a head-to-head battle between – on the recruiting trail, not between Louisville and Kansas necessarily or Louisville and St. John's or Louisville and Indiana. This is a direct nose-to-nose, head-to-head, toe-to-toe battle between Nolan Smith. And Bill Self, Nolan Smith and Mike Woodson, and Nolan Smith and Rick Patino. I really think it it you land a guy like McKenzie, it really adds value to what a guy like Nolan Smith brings to the table. And we can really see what this staff can do, you know, when they start to cook on the recruiting trail. I'm thrilled, you know, for them to, to round out this roster. And I can't wait for everybody else to, for all of us to see what we have, you know, coming, what we have in store. Now, which way are they gonna go? You know anyway is, is is you know remains to be seen and I tell you if I was a, if I was a betting man I, know I said I wasn't earlier but if I was and I had twenty dollars in my pocket I'd probably bet you know 50 cents on I'd probably bet 60 cents on Trey White I mean kind of seems like he's a lean here I'd bet 40 cents on RJ Luis to come here because I really don't know I'd bet the rest on McKenzie and Baco
1: to come here I like so I, I like the way that you put that. I'll put it in a slightly different way in a very Louisville way because when you're four or five years old in Louisville Kentucky you're already learning about how to place an exact box if I was a if I was a, a better and I wanted to place a bet on, on, on who I want to come to Louisville I would place an exact box on Trey White and McKenzie and Baco, and I'll tell you why Nice. Uh, so I, I think those are those would be two of the more Talented, polished players to ever wear a Louisville uniform. Just coming, coming straight into to Louisville, they would bring in an aspect that that Louisville has maybe never seen. Uh, McKenzie and Baca would be just slightly the second best player to ever commit to and play for Louisville, right behind Samarta Samuels. Uh, but I, I think the talent and just sheer athleticism and gifts that McKenzie and Baco have are far superior the, the, to Smarto Samuels. I think Smarto Samuels had the talent and, and, and size from such a young age that he came in as such a highly touted player. But I mean, really when you look across the board at, at the talent that's come in for Louisville, uh, you have Smarto Samuels, Sebastian Telefair is the second highest commit ever at Louisville that, and he ever panned out Samuel Williamson is third. And then Brian Bowen is fourth. Uh, so really, when you look at, at this Louisville roster currently, Trenton Flowers and Dennis Evans will be two of the four highest rated players to ever suit up for Louisville basketball, according to 247 Sports conglomeration. their composite, if you will, right? So that's the first thing to consider. So if you bring Mackenzie and Baco into the fold, you have three of the five highest rated players in, in school history. Like that's not something to, to sneeze at Alan. I mean, that is some superior talent. Trey white. If you make if you bring Trey white into the mix, this is another guy who is supremely talented. And I think that fans really need to understand, you know, he was more of a top 50 player coming out of high school, but from what I've seen of, of Trey white's tape, from what he brings to the table, it's something that, that Louisville has rarely had. I mean, maybe like, I'm going back, like, when I think Trey White, I think, like, Alvin Sims type type of player, right? Like, a, a just a big body guard who really can do it all. If he can improve from long distance, which is really his weakness at this point, if he can be improve as a three-point shooter, I mean, you're talking about a guy, uh, to me, is either a day-one starter or, or, or an excellent sixth man. Like, I, I think that, that Trey White has, has all the intangibles to maybe to be a starter. Like, if you had a... If you had a Sky Clark, uh, Trey White, McKenzie Mbako, Trenton Flowers, and Brandon Huntley Hatfield starting lineup, I mean, that's a really fucking talented lineup, Alan. Like that is sensational. That's that's a lineup Louisville has never put a lineup that talented on the floor ever. Like it, I, I don't know how those those components mesh together. I don't know how their personalities mesh. Not none of that. But but when you're talking about just sheer talent, when when you're talking about being, you know, who is recognized as, as, as the best players in their perspective classes and what they bring to the table, what their actual game is like. Like, we're talking about one of the most talented rosters that the Louisville's ever assembled, probably the most talented roster that, that's ever been assembled in Louisville. Does that equate to wins? I mean, that, that remains to be seen. But I think that's something that, that's so important to, to take into account. I will also bring up one other thing. I really like RJ Lewis's game because I think that he's kind of like a, he reminds me of like a Chris Mack three. I, I don't know if that, if that, if that computes for you, Alan, what, what I mean by that is he's a very aggressive guard. He's a very good rebounder, but he's definitely to me, he's, he's more of a slashing two guard. But if I'm looking at maybe Chris Mack or Rick Bettino type of rosters, uh, this is a guy who'd be a quote unquote three because he's such a talented rebounder. He's such an aggressive guy. Like he's he, he's a, he is he brings a lot to the table that you don't see very often in modern college basketball. Uh, I would absolutely love to have a guy like RJ Lewis on this roster, but to, but to me, for just reading the tea leaves, uh, seeing what's you know kind of been happening behind the scenes, kind of interactions on social media, uh, just stuff that you hear, you know, kind of fodder behind the scenes and all the rumors. It, it feels like RJ RJ Lewis was the guy. Like he was going to be the, you know, the guy that the coaches are bringing in as the the next ball handler to join this roster, but that is kind of cooled off a little bit. And it feels like the Trey white momentum is kind of gaining some steam to me right now. I I think that Trey white and Mackenzie Mbaco, that's like what really would sell me on this roster. Like that's what makes me able to forgive an addition of like a D- D- Danilo Jovanovic, right? Like that's, that really, I think, completes this roster and, and, and makes it almost whole. You know, I, I think that you have four or five guys who can handle, handle the ball. We'll get into the Karan Davis fodder and that sort of stuff uh, a little bit down the road. But I think if I'm placing that exact box, uh, you know, you could go either way, one and two, between Trey White and McKenzie Baco. I'm, I'm incredibly high on both of those players. McKenzie Baco is a day one starter. He's a, a program changing type of player. Uh, And I I don't want to understate that at all. Like if McKenzie and Baco comes in and stinks it up, that would be the, the the biggest upset since the Warriors blew a three, one lead. Right. Like that, that is just an an, an all time uh, type of player to bring in. And and a guy that can come in and be like a double, double machine right away. Like I, I could not be more ecstatic if Louisville lands McKenzie and Baco. So to me, Those are the two players I'm going with. Uh, I I love the idea of of making it kind of derby themed. McKenzie Baco, Trey White. And look, if it's R.J. Luis, I absolutely will take that as well. Like nothing against R.J. Luis as a player. As I said, I I think that he brings a lot to the table as well.
0: I guess for me, at the end of the day, what you just said, I mean, it's, it's all about, and I heard the great Jason Anderson, who used to be on ESPN radio, and I think he's since moved back home to Kansas City. But he said this, and it's the most simple thing. And it makes the most sense to me and, and if you go back in Louisville history or most teams history you can I think you know you're it, it's very possible that you know you can it, it, a minimum of like you know 17 to 18 games have a strong showing in the ACC because you are so deep talent uh, you know talent wise and, and what I mean by that is like you like you said if you put out Brandon Hatfield as your starter which you know he was a um, you know a four or five star player um, and and you have a, a raw but tall Dennis Evans coming off the bench who is a five-star who was upgraded to a five that's I mean kind of what Wolf ends it's kind of what we want at each position is is you know next man up can you come in with fresh legs and give the other guy a game I think conditioning is going to go a long way so it's really up to the staff to get everybody up to speed I know some guys are further along than others it's it's all about talent uh, um, roster depth um, talent uh, talent um, in the talent area and, uh, you know, whether we have, you know, a, a guy that's played guard for the past 15 years or whether he's, you know, he's going to, tr- guess what, he's going to try guard this year because he, he would probably play guard in the NBA. Then that's what we need to, I think maybe, you know, we could be ahead of the, ahead of the times here. Um, you know, we could, this could be, you know, in mold players.
1: Yeah, dude, absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't agree anymore. I, I think it's deserves to be, I mean, that's the title of this podcast. Great teams are comprised of great players. I love that. I love that. Alan, get back to being a soccer dad. We're going to keep it rolling here on the starting 502. Thank you so much for your time. Get the heck out of here as I keep it rolling. Yes, sir. Thanks, Presley. Again, that was Alan Thomas, owner of T-Shirt Hooligan. If you don't follow him on social media, make sure to do so uh, as soon as possible. T-Shirt Hooligan, uh, they they are the on the forefront of, 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 of NIL which, which I love to see, a big player, Luke Burgess, Madden Sanker, LMA meets, make sure you give him a follow, and then at Card and Al on Twitter. Uh, but as we keep rolling along, I think the big thing to, to, to focus on is exactly what Alan just said, right? Great teams are comprised of great players. And when you look across uh, the landscape of, of college basketball, what you're going to see from Louisville, if they land, if it's you know if it's two out of three of Trey White, RJ Luis and Mackenzie and I, I think that you have the most talented Louisville basketball roster assembled in my lifetime. That I, that's not hyperbole. Uh, when you you know look at what the, how the experts rank them, when you look at at their acclaim coming out out of high school, you know coming out of the transfer portal, when you look at, at their rankings across every service when you look at, at the way that, that the coaches view them, when you look at the, the reputation of, of Kenny Payne and, and Nolan Smith and Danny Manning, combine all of that. I don't know if that necessarily translates to wins on the floor, but what you have is a team capable of doing exactly what Louisville needs them to do next season. One thing I quickly, quickly want to get into a friend of the show, Jeff Goodman came out with his uh, rankings of, of teams that were the best and the worst so far this this season in the transfer portal. I think it's important to kind of go over this because, Jeff, I love you, but the perception of the way that Louisville has handled business in the transfer portal, and reality, I think is, is, is far different. I think that in modern college basketball, right, I think a lot of the, the better teams are going to be the teams that win in the transfer portal. I think there's no doubt about that. I think that Chris Mack's best team was assembled uh, through the transfer portal and was successful because of the transfer portal. Chris Mack's best player in Carly Jones came from the transfer portal. So, so with, with, with all of that in mind, I think you look at a team like an Arkansas uh, who's just absolutely, you know, it's very, very well documented, is, is absolutely killing it in the transfer portal. Godspeed, best of luck to, to former Cardinal L. Ellis at Arkansas as well. Uh, a team like Villanova. Uh, who kind of had a down year last season, but has killed it in the transfer portal? Gonzaga, Tennessee, and then West Virginia rounds out Jeff Goodman's top five teams in the transfer portal this off season, right? But then his biggest losers—you look at his biggest losers—he has Oklahoma State, Michigan, Arizona, Vanderbilt, and then your Louisville Cardinals. And yes, I, I think in the sense of. The amount of talent brought in via the transfer portal based on expectations because of the level of program, I understand from that aspect. But let's talk about this a little bit. The transfer portal is a two-way street, right? Meaning that the transfer portal is comprised just as much of players that are going out as players that are coming in, right? And so when you talk about who has won and who has lost the transfer portal, I understand the concept of saying, okay, Louisville has only landed two players, and Danilo Jovanovic and Sky Clark in the transfer portal. Meanwhile, they've had some quote-unquote misses. I don't know, even know if I would say misses. They had one player that they really went after in Keon Minifield and got outbid by Arkansas. So, Godspeed to Keon Minifield, best of luck to him. But ultimately, there have not been a ton of players that Louisville's gone after and swung and missed. And I think that's the important distinction to make. And, and the reason that you can make this distinction is because what Louisville lost and what they've replaced it with. So let's go over that for a second, right? So, just as a reminder, let's back it up, let's rewind it. Here are the players that Louisville has lost to the transfer portal this season. So you have Fabio Basilli, Sidney Curry, Kamari Lance, Devin Ree, L. Ellis, Roosevelt Wheeler, and Jalen Withers. Let's look at where these players have gone Roosevelt Wheeler. I think is obviously what was a was a big one for, for Louisville to kind of kind of get him moving in, in a different direction, right? Roosevelt Wheeler just was kind of at, at, at a certain point taking up a roster spot at Louisville. He ends up at DCU. You have another player and Devin Reed again, kind of felt like a guy who could have potentially been a good fit down the road, but Louisville is kind of in win now mode. He ends up at Louisiana Tech, Devin Reed does. Kamari Lands, a guy who had a lot of a lot of potential, a budding talent. He's probably going to be very successful at Arizona state, but didn't fit what Kenny Payne and staff needed on this Louisville roster. Jalen withers, much the same. Uh, I was maybe the most sad about losing Jalen withers Louisville's best three point shooter. And now has an opportunity to be a, a real role player, a real kind of six man type of guy at North Carolina. I think that's a great landing spot for him. L Ellis. Uh, obviously the one that hurts the most, he was really kind of down to Louisville or going pro when he got feedback from the pros and he came back, the coaching staff said, yeah, you can come back, but you're going to have a changed role on next year's team. Well, LLS didn't necessarily like that. So he went to a team where his role is going to change even more. So that, that really didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, doesn't seem like LLS got a major bag from Arkansas or anything like that. Kind of a, kind of a weird fit LLS to Arkansas, but overall, when you look across the landscape of the transfer portal, I'm not sure where Fabio Basili is going to land. I'm not sure where Sydney Curry is going to land. But you got LLS, Kamari Lands, Devin Reed, Roosevelt, Jalen Withers. I think Jalen Withers and LLS are definitely losses. Everybody else, it was probably best that 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 they part ways, right? So then you look at what Louisville has brought in this season, right? And I, I think that's extremely important to look at. So first of all, you have a, a commitment from. Uh, transfer Sky Clark, former five-star point guard, a guy who had a little bit of success at at, at Illinois, uh, didn't necessarily have a defined role and just wasn't really a good fit at Illinois. Come to find out that Sky Clark ended up having to go home and and, and take care of of, of a family member. It's really kind of a touching story. If you haven't heard that, you should look it up. And I'll even post that uh, as part of our our recap for our podcast as well. If, If anybody wants to take a look, Sky Clark, had to leave Illinois because he went home essentially for Thanksgiving or Christmas break, saw what kind of state that, that his family member was in and ultimately decided that it was better for him to stay there. He obviously still wants to play basketball. it's still his passion and he's able to do so now with a more family oriented, better fit for him, better relationship for him uh, with Kenny Payne and Louisville. I, I think Sky Clark, there's, there is so much on the horizon for a guy like that. I think that's huge. I think that's, you, know, you talk about LLS, your top scorer from, from, from last season, an all ACC type of player. Uh, but LLS was also the point guard of a 4 28 team. Uh, to me, it's okay losing almost anybody from a team like that, uh, and especially a guy who he simply did not want to take a different role. That's not the type of player that ultimately you want on your team if you want to make improvements next season. As much good as LLS brought to, to this level team last year, ultimately, I, I, I think it was it, it was best to part ways after kind of hearing what happened and replacing it with a guy like Sky Clark. It just feels like the perfect fit. If anybody tries to convince you that that that's not the truth, I mean, it, it, you you got to go back and, and look at Sky Clark, who was a former Kentucky commit, and how Kentucky fans were just over the moon about bringing in a guy like this last season. Uh, it, it wasn't until some other commits kind of came in that Sky Clark decided to decommit and goes to Illinois. So, kind of some interesting movement from Sky Clark, but a fascinating story that I, I think just things have worked out. And this is the perfect ending spot for Sky Clark. I, I think that he has huge things on the horizon for him in Louisville. And, and if it's not a step up from L. Ellis to Sky Clark, it's kind of hard to say that anybody's a step up from L. Ellis after everything that he did for Louisville last season. If it's not a step up, it's at least a lateral move. And I'm cool with that, especially because when you look at the rest of the roster that Louisville's bringing in. So obviously Karan Davis is a guy that's been kind of mired by a lot of this, this Louisville fan base, uh, because he's a guy that's, that's unrated. He's a Juco guy. Not a lot of people know about him, but Sky Clark has has backed him up. A lot of his teammates have really gone to bat for, for Karan Davis and said, look, this is a guy that's legit. He's going to come in and be an instant impact type of guy for Louisville. And look, if Karan Davis can be a 10 to 15 minute, a game guy, backup Sky Clark a, a, as a primary ball handler, then all of a sudden you already have more depth at guard than you did last season. I think that's something that's so important to, to take into factor that a lot of fans don't really think about, right? Last year, it was Ellis. Behind Ellis, you have Hersey Miller, which Hersey Miller, obviously I still I still have think that there could be big things on the horizon for Hersey Miller. I think this is a guy who uh, ha- has – a good bit of talent, and, and with, with another year in, in Kenny Payne's system, I mean, this could be a guy that's like a Elisha Justice type of player, a Tim Henderson type of player. I'm cool with that. So you, now you have really a, a three what you would call point guards, and then Louisville's going to bring in a guy like RJ Lewis or Trey White to supplement them. There you have four ball ha- handlers right there on that roster with. Sky Clark kind of being the guy that that's the lead guy there, alongside of Sky Clark, you're gonna have a guy like Trenton Flowers. Trenton Flowers already a top five or six commit to that will ever suit up for the Cardinals. Listed as a small forward, my buddy Jacob Blaine, if he, if he's listening in, he's gonna argue a little bit about this. A lot of fans that that have watched his games, he's six eight, he's kind of lanky. They see him more of like a JJ trainer or something like that. I'm telling you, Trenton Flowers is a guard. I'm telling you right now, wait on it. Trenton Flowers is a two-guard that can also play the three, can defend the one through three, maybe the one through four, an above-average rebounder, above-average defender, a guy who has explosive athleticism, an excellent shooter, uh, one of the better mid-range shooters that, that Louisville's going to have coming out of, out of high school, probably the best mid-range shooter that Louisville's had since Samuel Williamson coming coming out of high school. When you talk about Samuel Williamson, you're, you're talking about Trenton Flowers has a much more complete game than Samuel Williamson ever brought to the table. Uh, Trenton Flowers, I, I think, is an, an immediate step up at the two position, and he's going to be a perfect pairing for a guy like Mike James who is blossoming and ready to really step into a, a role as, as a potential star at Louisville next season. I mean, he, this is a guy that, who averaged nine or ten points a game last season, and when he was on, he was on. Like, that was a guy who could drop 20, 25 on you on any given night when he gets hot, and a guy who c- continues to be an improving three-point shooter. I think if you have a backcourt of Sky Clark Trenton Flowers, Mike James, uh, and Karan Davis. I, that That's that's a quality backcourt right there to me. And then when you put bring R.J. Luis or Trey White into the fold, all of a sudden you're looking at a roster of four, five, six guys who can be a primary ball handler. And that's all that you need. Like, you know, I, I know that we're, we're talking about, you know, People want that Peyton Siva, Russ Smith, Quentin Snyder, Chris Jones type of player. That's not necessarily needed. I mean, you have guys who can be legitimate, you know, primary ball handlers who can bring it up the court, who can initiate the offense, who can drive, who can dish, uh, who can create for other players, who can create for themselves. I mean, that to me, I'm, I'm not just trying to to sell you on some some half truths or anything like that. I mean, I, I think that the the reality is that there are some are some really really quality players and ball handlers on this roster. And I can't wait to get into some, hopefully some open practices, start to see what this team is yelling like. And and I really already like a a Sky Clark as a guy in this backcourt who's a leader. I mean, you're already seeing this on Twitter, like really gelling with the fan base, really enjoying the attention. You had a guy like LLS last year who would pop off on Twitter all the time and be a bit abrasive and be a bit, uh, you know, in press conferences and and even on the floor at times, or with his teammates. Very, very abrasive, very, you know, chip on his shoulder type of guy who could sometimes step up to the moment, but ultimately was not the fit that Louisville needed, especially on a team like last year's. In that aspect, I think Sky Clark is a massive step up from LLS. So again, you have a backcourt back already of Sky Clark, Mike James, Trenton Flowers, Karan Davis. You're going to throw another guy into the mix. I really like that. Uh, And then you have a guy like Dennis Evans in the middle. A lot of people are talking about him being an extremely raw player. Uh, You know, my buddies, Matt McGavig, Jacob Lane, they are big on Dennis Evans not being a guy that's college ready. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Dennis Evans is, is, is a guy who would have been a day one starter at his last place where he was actually signed at Minnesota. This is a guy who I I don't think he's going to be a day one starter necessarily. I think Brandon Huntley Hatfield probably has that locked up based on uh, his play when he was actually healthy last season. Another five star guy like Dennis Evans. But what I will say about Dennis Evans is this is a guy who is a ready made defender. This is a guy who could average probably two block shots a game next season. This is a guy who is going to get in and kind of battle with an Emmanuel Cora for battle with a Brandon Huntley Hatfield, a J.J. Trainer, maybe in a McKenzie Mbaco, right? like This is a guy who's going to be, he'll be ready, man. I'm telling you, Dennis Evans is going to be a guy to look out for next season. People are saying that he's raw, and yes, he's definitely raw on the offensive end. This is a guy that can already put the ball on the floor, though. This is a guy that already has some post moves. He's a guy who can be an above-average rebounder right out the gate. I'm hoping that the schedule is set up as such that you can get a guy like Dennis Evans, 10, 15, 20 minutes of run against some lower level teams, kind of gain some confidence, kind of get his footing in the speed of college basketball. By the time ACC play rolls around, you know, I'm hoping that Dennis Evans can be a serious contributor on this team. I think Dennis Evans is a guy that's absolutely capable of doing that. Uh, So I I have no worry at all that, that Dennis Evans can't be a guy that, that plays like a five-star guy. I mean, there's a reason why he he's rated as high as he is. And there, there's a reason why he there were so many schools after him. He has such such a claim and why he's risen so much as far as, as, as the attention that he's received. Uh the reason he was a commit commit to Minnesota initially is because you know he was kind of like a top 70, top 60 type of player, kind of like uh what we talked about Roosevelt Wheeler Wheeler was, right? Like a guy with potential. Uh, but they needed a few years to he's all of a sudden blossomed into a guy who should be able to contribute right away. Like I, I'm, I'm really excited about what Dennis Evans could bring to the table. Again, you have Caleb, Glenn and Curtis Williams. I feel like those are guys that we kind of just gloss over, you know, and those are the two guys that we really haven't talked about on this podcast. Uh, the last couple of episodes, again, we keep glossing over them. I see Curtis Williams as another two or three guy. Like I see him as another guard. And Curtis Williams is perhaps the least talked about top 50, top 60 player that Louisville's had in my lifetime. Right. Like since they started ranking these guys, since we started, like since recruiting became what it is now with social media and IL, I just, I I can't ever remember a guy that's just been as overlooked as Curtis Williams. Uh, This is Kenny Payne's first, like real, prospect that he landed Caleb Glenn was kind of a holdover from the Chris Mack era uh, because he's a local guy he has lo- you know he played for Louisville Mail recently transferred uh, just up north to Indianapolis but he's coming back could, could again be a, a serious contributor kind of a Mike James style player but really I'm, I'm kind of honed in on Curtis Williams man I really see him as a guy who can put the ball on the floor be a slasher uh, he's an excellent shooter you know, we we talk about you know this Louisville team. Uh, maybe one of the biggest things that that the staff hasn't focused on as much is is outside shooting. Uh, you know, Sky Clark is a capable outside shooter, a little bit streaky. Mike James was streaky last year, kind of turned it on towards the end of the season. Trenton Flowers is an improving three-point shooter. JJ Trainer's been streaky his career his whole career. Brandon Holly Hatfield's capable, but has been streaky. Curtis Williams perhaps the, the best three-point shooter on this team. I think that Danilo Jovanovic is going to be a good three-point shooter, but I'm not sure if that's a guy that's going to see the floor much this season. When you look at Curtis Williams, man, like there's a lot of potential there that, that we're just not even talking about. I hope we get into this more in the summer that we start hearing good things about Curtis Williams, what he brings to the table, that his personality is meshing uh, with the staff and with other players. Curtis Williams, I, I'm telling you, this is a guy to look out for. Like we're talking, you know, is Dennis Evans ready? Is Caleb Glenn ready? Can Can Mike James take the the step that people think he might be capable of? But we're not talking enough about Curtis Williams. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, this is a guy who he is long, he's athletic. If he gets into the college weight program, Scott's he's got, got a little baby fat on him, but he's got he's, he has an excellent jumper. Uh, he has an excellent mid mid range game. He can get to the bucket at will. Willing defender. Like I'm telling you, this could be a guy who kind of you know, comes out of nowhere and he's like that sixth or seventh guy off, maybe like the second or third guy off the bench, something like that. Like I'm telling you, Curtis Williams is a guy to look out for. So to kind of round that out, you lose Fabio Basili, Sidney Curry, L. Ellis, Kamari Lands, Devin Reed, Roosevelt Wheeler, and Jalen Withers. And I think it's important going back to our buddy, Jeff Goodman, and his rankings, it's important to remember who entered the portal and then what levels replaced them with. They didn't necessarily supplement them with other portal players yet, but what they've done is brought in talent, the likes that this program has never seen. Louisville has had one or two players that have been incredibly talented. Uh, They had a streak of what, 20 years. This was the last season was literally the first season since like pre Rick Pitino where Louisville didn't have a McDonald's all American on their team. Right. You're bringing in Trenton flowers, Dennis Evans, and then you have Caleb Glenn and Curtis Williams, guys, who would be some of the better players that you bring in in your class that are just afterthoughts in this class. Karan Davis, kind of the sleeper. And then you have Sky Clark, uh, a guy who, again, I, I've lamented this and I will continue to kind of talk about. This is a guy who can be a, a, a program-changing type of player. You add a Trey White or R.J. Luis, and then you add McKenzie and Baco all of a sudden this becomes one of the most talented teams in program history. I cannot emphasize that enough. One of the most talented teams in program history. Does that equate to wins on the floor? Of course not. You don't have to look very far down the road to Kentucky to see that just because you have a ton of talent on the floor doesn't necessarily mean that it equates to a team meshing and winning together, but I really like the pieces that Louisville has. So you can put Louisville as the second most disappointing team in the transfer portal, that's fine. But but when when you talk about who Louisville has landed in the transfer portal and who they've quote-unquote missed on, let's also talk about the guys who they got rid of into the transfer portal and then what they replaced those guys with. I think that is crucial when you're looking forward, when you're looking at how this roster is assembled. I'm not trying to pump sunshine up anybody's ass. It's going to be a long road ahead you could look out and see this local team starts out two and four or four and six or something like that. And people think it's on the same path. Kenny Pan's got to go this and that. You will notice immediately, whether it's the coaches letting people in for open practices, whether it's, you know, these quote unquote hype videos in the off season, whether it's the red white scrimmage, whether it's exhibition games, whenever that time is when this, when you start seeing this team gel a little bit, when you see these, te- these players, putting on the jersey and actually getting out there as a squad, you're going to start looking at this roster and saying, okay, well, how is that guy going to find minutes? How is that guy going to find his way onto the floor? And that's the problem that Louisville simply did not have last year, that they will this year. Again, people want to get into this guard conversation about what is a guard, what isn't a guard. Listen, there are are so many programs out there that are, are assembling their rosters in a similar way. You don't have to look very far to look to Kentucky, to Duke, Kansas, Arizona, Florida state is, is the king of this. They bring in the most talented players. And if three or four of those guys can handle the ball, that's all they care about, man. Like Louisville's bringing in size, they're bringing in talent. Like if you look across the, this, this Louisville recruiting class, right. You're looking at Trenton flowers is six, eight, Dennis Evans is seven, one, Caleb Glenn is six six. Curtis Williams is six six. Perron Davis is a six seven guard. Like you know, all, there's all these arguments. Okay, who's a guard? Who's not? Is Curtis Williams a guard? I don't know. Is is, is Trenton Flowers a guard? I don't know. But Perron Davis is a bona fide guard, a combo guard, a point guard. He's six seven. Like that—that's nothing to sneeze at, right? Like this Louisville team has size. Scott Clark is six four. Like Sky Clark is a bona fide combo slash point guard, right? He's six four. There is size, there is legitimate talent athleticism on this roster. And that's something very serious to take in consideration. And if you bring in a, a Trey White, who's what six seven, he's a six seven bona fide, he's a guard, right? A six seven guard. You bring in McKenzie and he's a wing slash forward slash guard, right? a guy who's kind of a do-it-all slasher, driver, rebounder, three-point shooter, like this, he has all of the intangibles to be Louisville's first one-and-done player ever, right? You bring that guy in, again, he's 6'8", 6'9". So when you look across this roster, you're adding those pieces to Brandon Holly Hatfield, who's 6'10", former five-star player, right? Mike James, who's a 6'6", guard slash forward, right? Like there, there is you know JJ Trainers six eight six nine a guy who can put the ball on the floor who can again has been a streaky shooter over his career but who's a ferocious dunker at this point a guy who's who's who has become an aggressor you start looking at this roster man there's not you know six four is is like on the very short side most guys six 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 seven six ten more talented than than most pieces that wolves ever had so. Yes, it, it, it's difficult to see things coming together. Yes, the way that things were constructed in the transfer portal is, as far as experience, as far as you know what, what fans are used to Louisville going after, that didn't happen. So now all of a sudden you're seeing guys like, uh, like an expert like Jeff Goodman saying Louisville is the second worst in the transfer portal. Let's look at the bigger picture here because this Louisville team – could be perhaps the most talented to ever wear the red and black. And if you're a Louisville fan and you're not excited about that, especially after the season last year, then I don't know what to tell you, man. Until next time, make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Dude, we're doing the thing on YouTube. I'm telling you. Luke Burgess and Madden Sanker are two of the most fun people that I've gotten a chance to work with, and they're freaking 17, 18 years old. Jacob Blaine is... <laughs> I mean, how many... Th- this man just texted me yesterday and said, dude, I'm editing five podcasts in the next two days. Like we have so much content coming out in the form of, of written podcasts, YouTube. I cannot wait to see what is on the horizon for us. What's on the horizon for us as, as a group, as a fan base, there's so many more positive times ahead. We're be covering all at the state of You can follow me on social media at press Meyer, trying to get a little bit more active on there. Follow us on Twitter at starting five Oh two pod. Make sure you follow us on the mothership, of course, at the state of blue. My name is Presley Meyer, starting 502 podcast. Until next time, let's get out of here and go cards.